Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. This episode, we are concluding uh, our five-part spotlight on the late, great Wayne Shorter. This is the fifth installment and the final installment uh, of this five-part series. Hopefully you have checked them out in order, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, The past episodes have included... Wayne Shorter's time as a jazz messenger with Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, as an integral part and composer to Miles Davis's second great quintet with Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, and Tony Williams, his co-led fusion band with Joe Zavinul, Weather Report, his instances as a consummate sideman with some of the greatest names in music, and now we finish with this, Wayne Shorter as a leader on all of these sessions so with these tracks that you're going to hear in this episode it is probably going to be a point of contention so i'll say that up front uh everybody has their own favorite wayne tunes that being said i cannot play all of them (laughs) so i have tried to choose 12 that i think best exemplify the sheer variety of Wayne's writing and playing and uh, some of his prowess. Now some will have, there will be duplicates from uh, albums. So there will be like two, maybe even three tracks from the exact same Wayne Shorter album. But it's only because I feel that those are that essential to the jazz canon. And many of his tunes have become jazz standards. So keep that in mind that Art is always subjective, and um, yeah, that our heart is in the right place, and we are trying to uh, give due to a uh, a jazz master who has left a very deep legacy in the history of recorded jazz. So, with that being said, we certainly hope that you sit back, you relax, grab a beverage, and... Let's start diving deep into these tracks of Wayne Shorter, leader, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Enjoy.
heavy indeed. Mmm. Talk about starting out with a bang, am I right? Yep. Alright, so the very first track that we heard to start off the whole set there was a fantastic tune written by Wayne entitled Black Nile. And it comes from his 1964 album, Night Dreamer. The classic Blue Note album, Night Dreamer. And, I mean, just everything about this screams classic. Lee Morgan on the trumpet, McCoy Tyner on the piano, Reggie Workman on the bass, Elvin Jones on the drums, and our man Wayne, the Newark Flash himself, on the tenor saxophone. He also wrote every song on this album it's there are no covers there are no standards it is all Wayne Shorter all over it um yeah April 29th 1964 Blue Note Records and uh the second track was off the exact same album in fact it's the title track it's Night Dreamer which is this beautiful gorgeous waltz uh that Wayne wrote just about every song on here is truly, truly uh, a standard, you know, in its own right. Night Dreamer, uh, Virgo, Black Nile, Armageddon, so many great songs. And that's the thing, the, uh, you know, the, the hits just keep coming. Um, because we ended the set with the title track from his August 3rd, 1964 album for Blue Note Records, Juju. That's right, we heard the title track there, Juju. I mean, we're only talking April, let's see, okay, April to, we might as well, it's late April, so might as well say May, June, July, August. Okay, so within a span of four months, he went right back into the recording studio and then laid another classic album with the exact same rhythm section, but without a trumpet player this time. It's Elvin Jones, Reggie Workman, McCoy Tyner uh, in the rhythm section with Wayne. And what's really interesting to point out here is that that's basically Coltrane's rhythm section. Reggie Workman was working with Coltrane at the time, so was McCoy and Elvin. And, you know, if you've been following along in order, you know, with our episodes dedicated to Wayne here, one, two, three, four, five, you know that when we talked about the Wayne, uh, when Wayne joined the, the second great quintet of Miles Davis, it was Coltrane who actually gave him Wayne's name first. And uh, Miles eventually came around to figuring out that Train was right. But I think it's one thing to recommend someone for a job uh, that y- you used to hold after you want to go on and move on with your own things. But it's another thing altogether to allow this young talent to feel free to use your rhythm section that you're making, you know, landmark strides with in the classic John Coltrane Quartet. So, yeah, I mean, that must mean that he really, really, really believed in Wayne and saw something very special in Wayne even that early on uh, before he even joined Miles Davis. So, there you go. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just cannot say enough about Wayne Shorter. I mean, you know, it, it, it still feels weird that uh, he he is he's left us, you know. Um, as I said before, I think on the very first episode, um, spotlighting Wayne, I initially had the idea to do a big big spotlight on Wayne 
to celebrate his 90th birthday in late August. But sadly, that did not happen. So uh, now we're doing it as a tribute spotlight. So, yeah. You know, I just always thought that Wayne would be like one of these, you know, Jedi masters that lived to like, you know, 900 or something. And he was still wielding his soprano saxophone, you know, dropping knowledge bombs on us and stuff. But, nope. So, a little backstory about Wayne. Wayne Shorter was born in Newark, New Jersey, home to WBGO. Uh, he was the son of Louise and Joseph Shorter. He graduated from the Newark Arts High School in 1952. That's a mere seven years before he joined Art Blakey. He loved comic books and science fiction growing up as well as music and was encouraged by his parents to take clarinet lessons at age 16. He later switched to tenor saxophone prior to enrolling at NYU in 1952. His Older brother, Alan, played alto saxophone before switching to the trumpet in college. And there's some albums out there by Alan Shorter, too. Um, While in high school, Wayne performed with the Nat Phipps Band in Newark. And after graduating from NYU with a degree in music education in 1956, he spent two years in the U.S. Army, during which time he played briefly with pianist Horace Silver. After his discharge, he wound up playing with Maynard Ferguson, and that's also where he met keyboardist Joe Zavinul. Uh, he had a nickname that he acquired in his youth entitled Mr. Gone, which later became an album title for the band that he co-led with Joe Zavinul, Weather Report. His early influences include the great Sonny Rollins, John Coltrane, and Coleman Hawkins. In 1959, he joined Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, where he stayed for four years, eventually becoming the musical director and composing many of the pieces for that band. So, yes, that kind of gives us a a quick background on the great Wayne Shorter. And um, we're already starting off with some really great tunes in Black Nile, Night Dreamer, and Juju. Uh, So, don't forget, you can find... The Dr. Jazz Podcast, wherever you find your podcast, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcast, uh, TuneIn, Podbean, all those places. So if you know somebody who would probably dig this kind of music or just a jazz podcast in general, please feel free to pass the word along. You know, um, We're doing this in a very grassroots way. We're not trying to... Um, you know, take out a bunch of ads and like post a bunch of stuff that's nonsense on like Instagram and weird stuff like that. I don't even have an Instagram. So there you go. Um, yeah. So please pass it on. If you know someone who would really dig this Uh, past that point, uh, if you would like to write a a positive review on Apple podcast, we'd certainly appreciate that taking you taking a, a minute to do that. Uh, past that point, please check out our website, because we have all of the titles, all of the artists, and the album artwork in the order in which they're played for every episode. So you know exactly what to go looking for, hopefully in your local record shop if you have one. If you don't, at least that way you'll know exactly what to order. Okay? Or stream, download, whatever. So, you do you. 
But the address for that website is Dr. Jazz Podcast. D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast. Dot WordPress com. Now, at the top of the page there is a contact link. You can click that and write us an email, and we'd love to hear from you, especially if you have a personal story or anecdote about Wayne Shorter or his music or maybe a time that you saw him live in concert um, or weather report or anything like that. You know, Miles Davis, Art Blakey, any of those things, we'd love to hear your stories, uh, and we will write you back. So, yeah. All right, enough talking from me. Let's get to this next great set of music on this last and fifth installment of our very special spotlight to the late, great Wayne Shorter.
Absolutely classic Wayne Shorter right there. So, 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 so good. Um, okay, so we started off the first song. Well, we started off that set, and the first song uh, was the Wayne Shorter standard written by Wayne Shorter, Yes or No. And it came off that exact same album, Juju, that we talked about on the last set, August 3rd, 1964. Alvin Jones on the drums, Reggie Workman on the bass, McCoy Tyner on piano, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone. Uh, and then the last two tracks came off the, the same album. 
and that was the middle track there was Witch Hunt, written by Wayne Shorter, recorded December 24th, 1964 for Blue Note Records on the album Speak No Evil. And we heard the title track to close out that set, Speak No Evil. This features Elvin Jones on the drums again, but this time Ron Carter on the bass and Herbie Hancock on the piano. In addition to Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet, our star for this spotlight, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone. Now here's something interesting. Night Dreamer was recorded, by the way, all three of these albums are all chocked full of Wayne Shorter originals. It's not a cover on any of them. So Night Dreamer was recorded April 29th, 1964. Just a few short months later, on August 3rd, 1964, he records the album Juju for Blue Note Records. Then, to end the year, on December 24th, 1964, he records Speak No Evil for Blue Note Records with a completely different cast of characters. So, McCoy Tyner's not there. Reggie Workman's not there. Lee Morgan's not there. So, why... Did he start to incorporate Herbie Hancock and Ron Carter? Well, by that point in time, he had already been hired to come on board with Miles Davis. So he got a chance to play with Herbie and Ron and get to know them, and he added them into his next Blue Note session as a leader. Now, that's to also say this. It's remarkable that he did these three albums in one year span for Blue Note Records. And they're all chock full of standards. And they're all classic jazz albums. But none of these bands recorded on these albums was a touring working band. Keep that in mind. They were really just a studio group. Wayne just kind of said, here's some charts, I've, here's some tunes I've written. Uh, here's the chords. Let's go. Because Elvin Jones, Reggie Workman, and McCoy, McCoy Tonner were all playing with John Coltrane and touring with him. They had just recorded stuff like A Love Supreme. So they were touring with all that. And Coltrane was, like, very in demand. Meanwhile, Ron Carter and Herbie Hancock were touring with Tony Williams and Miles with Wayne in the second great quintet for Miles Davis. And they were very in demand. Freddie Hubbard was doing his own thing, touring with his own groups. So there was no, this none, even though Wayne's name is there as the leader for all three of these class successions, that it wasn't like they were touring, you know, with, with Yes or No, Speak No Evil, Witch Hunt, and all these other tunes. Night Dreamer just wasn't happening. So... That's even more impressive when you really stop and think about it. So, yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, okay, so a couple more anecdotes I want to I want to share. I want to share a couple of stories in in, in these um, little set breaks, and it kind of pertains to what we're talking about here. So you you'll see that Wayne's face and uh, this you know, beautiful woman's face is on the cover of Speak No Evil, the album that we were just talking about for Blue Note Records. Well, that would have been his wife, Taruko. And 
Wayne met Teruko um, Nakagami in 1961, three years before this album was recorded. They were later married and had a daughter, Miyako. Some of his compositions are copyrighted as Miyako Music. And Shorter dedicated his pieces Miyako and Infant Eyes, which is on the Speak No Evil album, to his daughter, Miyako. Unfortunately, the couple, Teruko and Wayne, separated in 1964. What's interesting is Teruko met, fell in love with, and eventually married actor Billy D. Williams. That's right, Lando Calrissian. Bringing that whole Jedi thing I mentioned earlier, you know, full front, full, full scope here. You know what I mean? All the way around, uh, tying up the loose ends. So yeah, Teruko married Billy D. Williams. Now, what's really interesting is that there was not any kind of animosity. You know, Wayne is a uh, was a practicing uh, Nichiren Buddhist for more than fifty years. So, um, what's really interesting is that there was no animosity. They remained friends, and Wayne and Billy D were even still friends through all of that as well. But what's interesting is that the 1980s album Atlantis has this kind of uh, like sketch of Wayne Shorter, like an art sketch, uh, a color pencil kind of art sketch on the cover. That art sketch was drawn by none other than Billy D. Williams and gifted to Wayne Shorter. So how's that for full circle? You know what I mean? Go figure. Uh, moving on, Wayne Shorter met Ana Maria Patricio in 1966, two years after he separated with Taruco. And Ana Maria and Wayne were married in 1970. In 1986, their daughter Iska died of a grand mal seizure at the age of 14. Ana Maria and the couple's niece, Delilah, were unfortunately both killed on July 17, 1996, on TWA Flight 800. They were on the way to Italy to visit Wayne. Delilah was the daughter of Anna Maria Shorter's sister and her husband, the jazz vocalist John Lucian. That's a very traumatic event that you lost your wife and, you know, your, your niece in a plane crash um, that on their way to see you. But in 1999, Shorter met and married uh, Carolina dos Santos, who happened to be a close friend of Ana Maria. Uh, as I said earlier, Wayne was a practicing Nichiren Buddhist for more than 50 years, and he was a longtime member of the association uh, Soka Gakkai International. And if I mispronounced that, which I probably did, I sincerely apologize. Um, another interesting thing to note is that 
Tina Turner. We all know Tina Turner. You know, Proud Mary, the whole nine yards. What's love got to do with it, right? Well, we all know about her history with Ike Turner as well and the abusive past that all that was, you know what I mean? Um, and she finally left Ike in 1976. Well, Tina Turner actually credits Wayne Shorter with saving her life. In her 2020 memoir, Happiness Becomes You, Tina Turner says that Wayne Shorter and his wife, Anna Maria, provided her with critical refuge at their home in California for six months after Tina left Ike in 1976. So it's not like he was trying to take credit for that because this is, you know, this is one of the first instances I've ever heard of that is through Tina Turner's book, Happiness Becomes You. So there you go. Interesting. Very, 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 very interesting. Um, a, la- a couple of other things worth mentioning is Wayne was always on a higher plane of thought, always, constantly. And there was a story that went, I believe it was the pianist Emmett Cohen, and he was uh, part of the Monk competition, the Thelonious Monk um, jazz competition, and he won. And part of the advice that Wayne, Wayne was one of the the panelists uh, to judge the competitors, and Wayne, his advice to, like I said, I believe it was Emmett Cohen, um, he said, you're technically there. Like, you can play anything, you know, technical. There's no doubt about that. But my advice to you is to watch more old movies. And that's kind of all he said. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, only only Wayne. Only Wayne. He told him to watch more old movies. And, I, and, and so he took it to mean, Emmett Cohen t- took it to mean, that he needed to get more drama into his playing. That his proficiency was up to par, but his 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 dramaticness was not. So he he took Wayne's advice, you know what I mean? And there you go. Which kind of leads hand in hand into one of the things that uh, Wayne was talking about. There was this one movie where this guy is buying a train ticket, and he's just like. You know, one train ticket, please. And so the lady in the in the booth asks the guy, and this is an old, old, old movie, like 30s, 40s, something like that. And the lady asks the guy, well, where are you traveling? He's like, I want a ticket to nowhere. And Wayne said, that's, that's exactly what I want in my music. I want the freedom to go anywhere or nowhere if I want to. That's what jazz music should be. Like we should be able to expand and, and, and go anywhere that we desire. We, we, when, when you play and you improvise, you should truly be looking for a ticket to nowhere. Which is very interesting. And only Wayne can think in, in realms like that. And lastly, uh, another thing I want to share is that Wayne always said that, what does the word jazz mean to you? Is the question that was you know often posed to him. And he goes, to me... Jazz means I dare you. I dare you to do this. I dare you to go there. I dare you to think this way. I dare you to be an individual. I dare you to only sound like yourself. So jazz means I dare you. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, All right. 
So if you'd like, if, 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 if you like some of those stories and you have some of your own favorite Wayne quotes or, or stories or instances, um, feel free to drop us a line at the website, drjazzpodcast.wordpress.com. And we'd love to hear them from you as well as we honor this very, very important jazz legend, Wayne Shorter. So enough talking from me. Let's get to another great set of music by Wayne here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Thank you. 
All right. Three fantastic tunes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we started off that set with the hauntingly gorgeous ballad that Wayne wrote called Lady Day in honor of the great Billie Holiday. And that comes from the album The Soothsayer, which was recorded on March 4th, 1965 for Blue Note Records. And, um, yeah, just an all-star cast on this as well. Wayne Shorter on the tenor saxophone, James Spaulding on the alto sax, Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet, McCoy Tyner on the piano, Tony Williams on the drums, and hashtag Planet Elegance, Mr. Ron Carter on the bass, who actually just posted this uh, recently on his Twitter account saying that he uh, was honored that his friend Wayne Shorter would ask him to do this recording session. Um, it's, yeah, that's a mutual admiration society if I ever heard one. Fantastic, fantastic music. Um, yeah, and Wayne's tone just screams through that track, just beautifully haunting sound to the melody on his saxophone. Oh, yeah, good, good, good stuff. Um, after that, we heard Adam's Apple in the middle of the set from the album by the same name on Blue Note Records. That was recorded February 3rd, 1966. Uh, and the other tunes were recorded February 24th, 1966. Joe Chambers is on the drums on that track. Reggie Workman back in the bass chair the wonderful Herbie Hancock on piano, and, of course, our man Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone. Uh, this album is also his recorded version of his own tune, Footprints, which was being recorded by the Miles Davis Quintet off the album Miles Smiles, too. So, there you go. Uh, fantastic bunch of tunes on here. Teru, I'm sure short for Teruko. Um... Adam's Apple, which we did here in the middle of the set there, Footprints, uh, and El Gaucho as well. And then he has a Herbie Hancock tune called The Collector that was uh, did not appear on the LP, but did appear here on the CD version, along with the Jimmy Rolls blues, strangely enough, called 502 Blues, Drinking and Driving. Yeah, that, that one just kind of came out of nowhere, the Jimmy Rolls thing, so there you go. Um, but to kind of tie up loose ends, Jimmy Rolls did play piano for Lady Day, as he would say. I love playing for Lady Day. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you haven't heard Jimmy Rolls interviews, go check out Jimmy Rolls interviews. That's R-O-W-L-E-S, Jimmy Rolls. Um, yeah, <laughs> such a wonderful character. Um, after that, to end the set, we heard... One of my favorite Wayne tunes, a tune he wrote called Tom Thumb from his 1967 Blue Note album Schizophrenia, featuring Curtis Fuller on the trombone, James Spaulding again on alto sax and flute this time, Wayne on the tenor saxophone, Herbie Hancock on the piano, Ron Carter on the bass, and Joe Chambers on the drums. Again, 
There's six tracks, and five of them are written by Wayne. And this is the album that um, his original composition, Miyako, appears on as well, since we were talking about that on the last set break. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, so a couple of uh, other things I I wanted to share um, in uh, some of these um, little thoughts and and anecdotes that I've picked up just by, you know, listening to people's outpouring of love and respect about Wayne and some of their run-ins with him. Uh, The pianist Peter Martin, who is a just, awesome pianist and a great teacher too you know i don't know if anybody uh, who listens to the dr jazz podcast has checked out their podcast uh about playing if some of you are musicians uh please check it out open studio uh has their podcast and their youtube channel called you'll hear it uh with adam manis and peter martin and they are just two fantastic dudes uh can't give them enough props uh peter martin also plays with christian mcbride's band so, yeah, you know he's good if uh, Christian likes him. So, But anyway, he was telling a story how he was at this jazz festival and he was in the elevator and Wayne Shorter was there. And it was just like the two of them. And he's like, okay, am I going to fanboy out on this? Like, what do you ask Wayne? Here you go. Here's your elevator pitch. Here's your elevator conversation. What question, what do you do if you're in that position, you know? And so he sets it up brilliantly, the way he tells the story. And he said, all I could think of was just saying like, Going up, huh? Just trying to make small talk, you know, because he's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to ask something stupid that I'm going to regret for the rest of my life, you know, a la Chris Farley with Paul McCartney. You know, hey, you remember that time you were in that band called the Beatles? (laughs) Oh, yes, Chris, yes, I do. You know, so it wasn't like that. Um, But he simply just said, as a small talk sort of thing, like, going up, huh? And Wayne being Wayne on a higher plane of thought said, well, yes, actually, we, we we all, I mean, we are all trying to transcend upwards. He just kind of said that, and <laughs> Peter Martin said his mind just kind of went, you know. <laughs> because, you know, Wayne does kind of talk in these parables and, and things like that, so. Which is very cool. It's very, very, very cool. Uh, and it reminds me of another quote uh, that Danilo Perez said, in uh, the wonderful film, Wayne Shorter, The Language of the Unknown. And it basically, it, it, it interviews the members of Wayne's last working quartet, which was Brian Blade on the drums, John Patitucci on the bass, and Danilo Perez on the piano, along with Wayne on tenor and soprano. And... Danilo talks about his experience when he first joined the band and when Wayne brought in some of his charts to play and things like that. And he said that he he that the band read this chart and he was trying to play this the this chart that Wayne brought in and Wayne just stopped and said, No, 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 no. Not like that. Put some water in those chords. And he's like, what the hell do you mean put water in the chords? Like, I don't understand. What, what do you mean? He goes, so I try to like add some extensions and things like that. And, and Wayne's just like, no, 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 no. Well, let, let, let's just move on to another tune. 
And he's like, oh, shit, I've pissed Wayne off. You know what I mean? And I'm like, uh, what do I do? And he goes, so it got me thinking. He goes, you know, and Wayne was great about that, that he'd say just the least little thing, and it, it, it would send your mind in motion like the gears started turning, you know. So he said he went back, and he was practicing before they went and met up the next day to, to play through stuff. And he said, you know, rather than just try to, like, outline this chord the way that I'm used to playing chords, maybe I should just, like, kind of stack, like, these weird fourths together. You know what I mean? And just kind of get this kind of sound. He's like, so I did that, and I brought it, that idea to the next day, and we and Wayne called to go over the tune, and he's just like, yes, yes! Now that's some water in those chords. And <laughs> he goes, but... He, he's not going to just come out and tell you, you know, like stack them up this way or whatever. So that's that's what's wonderful about Wayne, the teacher, is that he has a way to intrigue you enough to make you go that extra step to make something special with your contribution to whatever group that he's a part of. So that and that's wonderful. And, you know, there was a point in time where Danilo went and he told Wayne that after a certain performance that he just felt like it was an out of body experience. It was almost like astral traveling, you know what I mean? Where he's like I was like looking down at myself and at everybody else throughout this kind of solo and then I just kind of came back into my body. And Wayne just kind of looked at him and said, "You were flying." He goes, "Me and Miles and Herbie, all of us used to fly every night." And I think that's kind of telling. Because I think that music with Miles was very much kind of like that. You listen to that exploratory spirit that Wayne and Miles and Herbie and Ron and Tony had. And that's truly something special. And I think that Wayne tried to bring that into everything that he did. I think that Herbie tries to bring that into everything that he does. So... There's something to be said there. Um, but yeah. And then lastly, um, there is the quote by the fantastic uh, composer, arranger, musician, band leader, trumpeter, Terrence Blanchard, who's just one of my all-time faves. And Terrence said something very interesting which I think a lot of young musicians should really take note of he said I I came up and I wanted to become the Wayne Shorter of the trumpet like we had a lot of great idols you know on the trumpet like you go down the list it was you know Louis Armstrong Roy Eldridge Diz Miles you know all them cats Clifford Brown but none of them quite played the way that Wayne did and had that kind of angle to their trumpet playing. So he said, I wanted to become the Wayne Shorter so bad of the trumpet, I couldn't see. So everything I did, I was trying to emulate that kind of thing and what I did. He goes, finally, I got the chance to meet and talk with Wayne Shorter. He goes, and in that, within five minutes, less than five minutes, I realized that I would never, ever be the Wayne Shorter of the trumpet and not just for lack of trying or lack of talent or lack of chops or lack of imagination. It's truly because Wayne is such an individualist. 
Wayne is such a different thinker that Terrence came to the conclusion, he's like, only Wayne can be Wayne. And no one else can be Wayne Shorter of any instrument except Wayne Shorter. So I'm better off just being the best version of me that I can be instead of trying to emulate something that I'm never going to be because Wayne's cadence and the way he talks, Wayne's thought processes, Wayne's likes and dislikes, the way he walks, the way he goes about his life, the way he talks, the way he plays, the way he writes, the way he arranges, uh, the, the different colors that he hears in his arrangements, that can only belong to Wayne. So just like Terrence's own thoughts playing cadence, the way he walks, the way he writes, can only belong to him. So Terrence learned a very valuable lesson in individual individuality that day. And I think that that's uh, very good advice for a lot of younger jazz cats as well. Oh, I want to be the Stan Getz of the trumpet, or I want to be the Thelonious Monk of the trombone, or whatever. You can't. Getz is going to be Getz. Monk's going to be Monk. Chick's going to be Chick. Herbie's going to be Herbie. Wayne's going to be Wayne. Terrence is going to be Terrence, and you should be you. So, that's something that's very cool and uh, a very valuable lesson. So, yeah. All right. Remember, you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. All the places that you can find a podcast, we are there. So if you know somebody who would dig this podcast, please pass it on. And if you are interested in finding out all these track titles, etc., please just visit our website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, drjazzpodcast.wordpress.com. And there you can also click the contact button. We'd love to hear some of your stories or anecdotes related to our spotlight artist, the late, great Wayne Shorter. So that being said, we've got one more set of music left. Please don't go anywhere. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, yeah, let's conclude this beautiful five-part spotlight on the late, great Wayne Shorter here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
Mm. Fantastico. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So we started off that set with the very funky sounds of a Wayne Shorter original entitled Beauty and the Beast. And it comes from his 1974 album for Columbia, Native Dancer, which features throughout the album um, Milton Nascimento, who just retired from touring um, yeah, this past year. Um, the musicians on this album are Dave Amaro, Jay Graydon, Wagner Tiso, Roberto Silva, Dave McDaniel, Ayrto Moreira, Herbie Hancock, Milton Nascimento, and Wayne Shorter. It was released in 1975, even though it was recorded September 12th, 1974, in L.A. Yep, 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 yep. Mm. This is really a great album. Um, and to add in a, a little extra point about it, you know, um, a lot of folks had not heard Milton Nascimento's greatness um, until he premiered, uh, until he was on this album with Wayne, and a lot of jazz guys kind of heard him and went like, ooh, okay, yeah, who's this? You know, so there you go. So it was kind of a, of a, opening the door for folks to explore some more Milton. Uh, in the middle of the set, we heard Endangered Species, which opens the album Atlantis by Wayne Shorter. And we kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier in this episode of the podcast. The Atlantis has got the album cover that Billy D. Williams sketched for Wayne. And, of course, Billy D. Williams was the husband to uh, Taruko who uh, her and Wayne got divorced and separated, and she wound up marrying Billy Dee Williams. So there you go. Um, Atlantis is an album of Wayne's from 1985. And, um, yeah, a lot of great musicians on this, too. Of course, Wayne is on soprano with tennis saxophones. Jim Walker is on the flutes and piccolo. Yaron Gershovsky is on the acoustic piano. Uh, Machika Hill is on acoustic piano. Larry Klein is on the Fender bass. Alejandro Acuna is on the drums and percussion. Um, but on the track, and that's on the album, but on the track Endangered Species that we heard, Lenny Castro was actually on percussion. Uh, Michael Hennig was on synclavier. Ralph Humphrey was on drums. Jay Vitarelli was on the synclavier and keyboards as well. So there was a lot of that 80s synthesizer thing going on. There's a lot of great tunes on this album, by the way. You know, um, Shere Khan, The Tiger from The Jungle Book. On the Eve of Departure, Atlantis, Who Goes There, uh, When You Dream, The Three Marias, and Dangerous Species. All of these are really, really great tunes. So... There was that, and then we wrapped up the set with a tune called Starry Night uh, from Wayne Shorter's 2010 album, Without a Net. For Blue Note Records, he, he came full circle. He started with his own album on Blue Note Records, and then he ended his career with Blue Note Records as well. Of course, that featured his last great quartet, and Brian Blade on the drums, John Patitucci on the bass. 
Danilo Perez on the piano and Wayne on the tenor and soprano saxophones. Ah, a couple of words in closing. He received uh, an honorary doctorate of music from Berkeley in 1999. Wayne received a lifetime achievement for award um, from the Herbie Hancock Institute of Jazz in 2013. Uh, he got a Lifetime Achievement Award Grammy in 2014. He got a Guggenheim Fellowship for Music Composition in 2016. And he is the only jazz artist to ever receive that honor that year. Um, in 2017, he got the Polar. He was announced as the joint winner of the Polar Music Prize. And the co- award committee stated this. Without the musical explorations of Wayne Shorter... Modern music would not have drilled so deep. And in 2018, he received the Kennedy Center Honor for the Performing Arts for his lifetime of contributions to the arts. He put out through Blue Note Records um, a comic book and album set called Eminon in 2019. He um, got a Doris Duke Performing Award uh, in 2021 and he received the best improvised jazz solo Grammy for endangered species with Leo Genovese in 2023 um, and with his with the group with Leo Genovese Esperanza Spalding and Terry Lynn Carrington he also wrote an opera with Esperanza Spalding um, helping out in 2018 he uh, continued to work on this new operatic work titled Iphigenia, uh, which is a loose adaptation of the Greek ancient myth, the ancient Greek myth. And Esperanza contributed the libretto, and Frank Gehry designed the sets, and it premiered November 12th, 2021 at the Cutler Majestic Theater. So Wayne was a blazing pioneer and trailblazer up until the end which is very fitting so thank you so very 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 much for uh, making it this far and listening to these episodes that spotlight the various prisms of Wayne Shorter's career um, we are I'm sure many of us miss him very very deeply and we will continue to uh, but he has left behind us a, a treasure trove of fantastic music so take solace in that and hopefully you've enjoyed listening to many of those examples so in the famous words of duke ellington we love you madly until next time ashes to ashes dust to dust y'all be good now because in jazz we trust